Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Farewell and adieu to you Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu, you ladies of Spain. We've just received orders to sail for New England. And we hope for to see you in a short time again. We'll rent and we'll roar like true Yankee women. We'll rent and we'll roar on deck and below. Until we sank ahead of old Martha's Vineyard And straight up the channel to Redford we'll go Come all you young men, drink up your full bumper Come all you young men, drink up your full bowl We'll drink and be merry and drown melancholy Here's a health to each jovial and true-hearted soul. We'll rant and we'll roar like true Yankee whalermen. We'll rant and we'll roar on deck and below. Until we psyche at all Martha's Vineyard. And straight up the channel to Bedford we'll go. All right. Well, first of all, we need a huge crowd applauding here, but it's basically just me sitting in the studio <laughs> listening to the jovial crew. There's actually 20 more verses to that song. They get to Martha's Vineyard. They're Airbnb. The combination doesn't work. They don't know how to get in. Uh, it's very tragic. The jovial crew is a group of musicians and historians. They've been performing shanties, forbiters, and other traditional old songs in Essex uh, since the, the founding in 1986. Uh, you can They're sort of famously at the Griswold Inn on Monday nights. Um, so uh, there's there's four of them here, uh, Cliff Haslam, the founder of the group, uh, Joseph Morneau, Rick Spencer, uh, Michael Hotkowski, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about them and, and to two of them here as we go. So I have to set the stage here. I have to set the scene. First of all, you should understand that it's naughty week uh, here at CD Public. We're going to be extremely naughty all week, but we're also going to do nautical things. And I love sea shanties. I, I, I will say this. When I was in third grade, I was already a nerd, uh, and I had Kingston Trio records. And the Kingston Trio back in the 60s were, they would just sing any traditional song, whether they had any connection to it. They would sing Hawaiian songs in Hawaiian. Uh, These three white guys. Um, But they did a lot of sea shanties. And so I was this little third grade kid, you know, walking around and go, you know, blow you winds morning, blow you winds I ho. I didn't have a lot of friends. So uh, I love sea shanties. I don't know how to spell them. Uh, And uh, we want to talk a little bit about this uh, amazing form today on the show. That's what the show's about. You'll be hearing the great jovial crew off and on as we go along here. But um, Joseph Morneau, maybe get us started here. What determines? There are sea songs that are not sea shanties, mm-hmm. and there are, but there are sea shanties. Um, and although, as I understand it, General Taylor might be a sea shanty, even though it's about Zachary Taylor, who's not known for his naval adventures. So what makes a sea shanty a sea shanty? Well, a lot of it has to do with the jobs that are being utilized on board ship and then the rhythm to get everybody work together 
uh, the the song will be chosen for that purpose. So uh, Sea Shanty will actually have a call. It's a call and response form of song where you have a primary man, a shanty man, who will call uh, out the original line, and then everybody else will respond and pull the lines or push on a bar at very specific um, uh, words for that particular rhythm, which you'll hear in a couple of songs that we're going to do. But the problem, of course, is that uh, with time and application, people have begun to think of everything that even mentions the water in your bathtub as a sea shanty. <laughs> so that's just... Yeah. Well, yes, and, and we'll come to that. And, and um, But, uh, Rick, you have some experience also as a reenactor doing this stuff. So, I mean, in a way, you can kind of put some of the ideas that Joseph just talked about to the test, whether they kind of work in, in that kind of a maybe 18th century maritime environment. Sure, Colin. Uh, certainly the, uh, the essence of the matter is that sea shanties technically were songs that were tools to help coordinate tasks on board ships. So we want to make sure that we're maximizing our efficiency of work and you can do that in any number of ways. Uh, for example, you can pull on a rope with an old one, two, three, one, two, three, but that gets boring after a very short period of time. Sailors in the English-speaking world began to take a hint from natives of other cultures that they encountered in their travels, and by the 1830s or so, uh, in the English-speaking trades, in many of the English-speaking trades, we saw sailors utilizing songs to help coordinate efforts. So if we think of sea shanties technically as tools to get jobs done, I mean, that's the essence of it. And, you know, Joseph, because there's an oral and kind of passed along tradition, they're sort of fundamentally unstable, much like the crowd at the Griswold Inn on Monday nights, I think. But, that's true. Um, but, you know, for example, the song that you guys did, well, some people probably hear a little bit of Robert Shaw in Jaws, where he's doing farewell and adieu to the fair Spanish ladies. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've also heard the rant and roar thing. I think Great Big Sea, for example, does that just as a thing, yep. you know, without any Spanish ladies. And I mean, to that point, there's a long time between the advent of sea shanties and sheet music. <laughs> These are completely different things. So there'll be different versions passed, I guess, from sailor to sailor even. Right. You know, the, the, the songs that are being coined um, and, and printed, sold on uh, broadsheet ballads and, and, and so forth, those were one aspect of the songs. But when it came to shanties, they were free-flowing. And the person who'd be the shantyman would make up his own lyrics as he went along. So what you see other collectors writing down and cleaning up for publication, um, the, not every shantyman, not every ship would have that song sung that way. So there's already a longstanding tradition of making it up as you go along. Right. And so uh, let's uh, talk a little bit, uh, maybe Ricky can do this, about forbiters. So this has something to do with the forecastle, which is usually called the foxhole or something Folks. like that. Foxhole, all right. See, um, I, was only, I was an impressed seaman for about three years. I didn't <laughs> learn all the terms. But uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about the idea of a forbiter. The, there, were, there were shanties, Colin, and then there were songs that were not shanties. Um, and we, as a culture, like to label stuff. And so what do we call the songs that were not sea shanties and were not used at work? Uh, these are leisure time song forms. Uh, on many ships, there was a sturdy post near the bow of a ship to tie lines to, uh, and it was they were called the four bits for reasons I'm not clear <laughs> about, but it was not uncommon for 
guy with an instrument during leisure time. It might have been a concertina. It might have been a fiddle. It might have been a banjo to sit on the four bit, one of the four bits with, with people gathered around him and they would sing leisure time songs. Those songs in some cultures came to be known as forecastle or forecastle songs. In other cultures, they came to be known as forebitters. All right. Uh, so last question, and then you guys are going to do another song. And this, so we will do so all through the show. We'll sort of alternate talking and singing. Um, you know, this sounds like a weird question. Maybe it's because half of my career has been as a writer, uh, Joseph, but there are like at least three ways to spell this word. <laughs> a shanty, like, you know, like you'd spell shack or something like that. And then there's C-H-A-N-T-Y and I think C-H-A-N-T-E-Y. And I guess maybe this is part of the oral tradition too. It makes sense to me that it's a C-H thing because it, it kind of fits with the French chansons and stuff like that. But what's your preferred spelling? We go with C-H. Uh, most American shantymen uh, and groups will do the C-H for spelling. Most Canadian and British groups will do the S-H. Um, there's nobody bothered to stop and write down a record when they were first yeah. uh, doing it. So uh, the best historians can come up with was it came from the French word chante. Um, and then later on, when some of the Englishmen were actually writing down, collecting some of the songs, God forbid their, what they perceived as their, uh, their national music would have a French origin, <laughs> despite all the other French words in, in the language. So they started to spell it with S-H. And um, when you look at a lot of our source materials, um, those people will use the SH mostly for the same reasons. But at this point, it's sort of uh, it, it's an interactive thing with people like us always telling people that we're singing shanties, not in a shack. So. <laughs> you know, there's a, a great there's a movie called uh, Fisherman's Friends. Is that what it's called? It's yeah. about uh, and it takes place in, in Cornwall, I think, on the Cornish coast somewhere. And it's it's actually based on a true story, I think, about some singers like you guys who actually get approached by a record company. But there's a scene in the movie where somebody's asking a waitress in the pub what kind of music this is. She goes, it's the rock and roll of 1752, you know? <laughs> I think that's sort of <laughs> not a bad way to talk about it. So let's hear a little of that rock and roll from uh, 1752. Rock and roll. Uh, we're going to do, you're going to do Around Cape Horn. Well, I hope you don't mind. This is actually from 1819. Is that all right? We're not sticklers for that kind of stuff. It's public radio. We make it up as we go along. Yeah, there's no copyright issues yeah. on this one. <laughs> Around Cape Horn the young men go, and when those young men are away, then those young girls dress up neat, and they go a-cruising down the street. Rightful day, follow little day, rightful ride, oh, follow little day. Rightful day, follow little day, rightful ride, oh, follow little day. When out to see their sweethearts go, it's then they must have another bow. To wait two years, they say they can't, but to wait two years, they say they shan't. Rightful day, follow little day, rightful ride, oh, follow little day. Rightful day, follow little day, rightful ride, oh, follow little day. Skein laces long with frills so neat, and bonnets worked so complete, with the painted cheeks and curled hair, to think to make the new men stare. Rightful day, follow little day, rightful ride, oh, follow little day. Rightful day, follow little day, rightful ride, oh, follow little day. Far from the fields of the young men gone, far from home and all forlorn, I wish to God they've never been born, is to go a-cruising round Cape Horn. 
Rightful day, fun a little day. Rightful right, oh fun a little day. Rightful day, fun a little day. Rightful right, oh fun a little day. When those young men do come home, this is a story that they hear. Welcome home, you need not fear. No one has courted me, my dear. Bullsh rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day. Rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day. Bright false smiles I like for to wear, bright false bows and long false hair, white satin shoes with a silver bow to take us young men all in tow. We are suckers. Rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day, rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day. Now to conclude and end my song, there's women tells me I am wrong, but if by chance they find I'm right, may they sing this from morn till night. Rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day, rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day, rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day, rightful day, fun a little day, rightful right, oh fun a little day. Around Cape Horn by the Jovial Crew. Uh, this is great. I wish I could, maybe we'll just add applause later or something. Uh, with us are Cliff Haslam, uh, Joseph Morneau, Rick Spencer, and Michael Hotkowski. And um, so, Rick, you know, that's a very, very cheerful, lively song. And, and I think maybe one could make the mistake of going from there to, well, they must have been very happy people. Uh, whereas I'm guessing, from what we know anyway, this is a very, very hard life under very uncomfortable conditions. Maybe you need a happy song. Life at sea was really, really difficult. Uh, food was notoriously bad. Uh, the treatment could be harsh and even brutal. Um, the men were subject to the whims of the sea. At any given moment, uh, a rogue wave could could uh, strike the, the the vessel amidships and and go down with all hands. And uh, so the 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 challenges, the many many challenges of of seafaring were uh, they were magnitude, and it was not a great life. Yes, it was important to have songs that reflected some sort of positivity, but there were also plenty of ballads uh, from, from the disaster traditions. And, uh, I mean, Joseph, another part about this, uh, one that we discussed a lot, particularly because it is Naughty Week, is that these are a bunch of guys uh, who are cooped up somewhere, except when they're, you know, when, when they're on shore, which isn't very often, and so they're, I'm trying to think of the word, they're horny. Um, so they're, some of these songs are a little bit, you know, a little bit on the body side, a little salty, right? Yeah. Um, Rudyard Kipling wrote, single men in barracks don't grow into plaster saints, one of my favorite quotes <laughs> for this. Um, uh, Rick and I were talking about this the other day. A lot of the, the collectors in the 19th century were very afraid of too much sex in the, in the lyrics that they were going to be publishing of these real sailor songs and such. So they would remove that but leave other things that are no longer considered to be acceptable in today's social climate. Uh, if you go and dig back into those journals and letters from the sailors at the time, you'll find that they are pretty raunchy. And uh, sometimes there's a lot of double entendres and thinly veiled, and other times they just come right out and tell you. And uh, we, we have a tendency, because of our audiences, we're an adult band for an adult audience, typically in a bar, we will 
lean a little bit more into those traditions. In other places, we might tame it down and use what we consider to be more appropriate words. Um, and certainly, uh, the sailors themselves, when they were, for lack of another word at the moment, composing these songs or composing their lyrics, uh, they weren't considering that this was going to be sung for an audience, certainly not for mom, dad, and the kids. <laughs> um, this is for them, like men in a locker room or uh, like the old-time military when it was men only and they could say whatever they wanted and very often what was on their mind. Right. Yeah, no, the getting together with the extended family would be, you know, hey, could you sing us one of your sailor songs, Uncle Jack? <laughs> um, maybe not. Uh, and, and with that in mind, because it is Naughty Week, uh, we are going to hear a song called The Ebenezer. And we should say, maybe this is the time, uh, um, Joseph, to talk about the fact that these songs are kind of task-specific. I think Rick was kind of getting at this earlier. So this would have been a song maybe sung on a particular kind of vessel or while people were doing a certain kind of work. I shipped on board of the Ebenezer Every day it was scrub and greaser Holy stoner and scraper down If we growl they'd blow us down Get along boys, get along do Handy me boys, handy Get along boys, get along do Handy me boys, handy The old man was a drunken geezer He could not sail the Ebenezer Learned his trade on a Chinese junk Spent most time down in his Get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. Get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. The Ebenezer was so old she knew Columbus as a boy. It was pump her bullies night and day to help her get across Liverpool Bay. Get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. Oh, get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. We sail away before a breezer bound away for Valparaiso round Cape Horn she lost her sticks, the Molly Hawks picked up the bits Get along boys, get along do and me boys, and me oh, get along boys, get along do, and me boys and me. Wet hash it was our only grub sir, breakfast dinner, and for supper bread was as hard as any brass, meat was as salty as Lot's wife's Get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. Oh, get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. Get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. Oh, get along, boys, get along, do. Handy me, boys, handy. It's the jovial crew. We're going to take a break, uh, and the crew is going to come right back with some more shanties. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford Healthcare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. 
Well, Bonnie was a warrior, way hey a regular bull terrier, John Francois. Well, Bonnie was a Corsican, way a rotten snotting Corsican, John Francois. Well, Bonnie went to school in France, way it's there he learned to fight and dance, John Francois. And Bonnie went to Moscow, way he lost his army in the snow, John Francois. He set Moscow ablaze in and then he turned around again, John Francois. Yes, Saboni fought the Russians, the Austrians and Prussians, John Francois. Then Saboni went to Waterloo, old Nosey beat him through and through, John Francois. He beat the Prussians fairly, he beat the British narrowly, John Francois. He met the Duke of Wellington, and then his fighting day. Were done, John Francois. Then the bony went in exile. Away, he died on Saint Helena's Isle. John Francois. Now bony is no danger. Away, for bony's now an angel. John Francois. Yes, a bony was a warrior. Away, a regular bull terrier. John Francois. All right, Bodhi was a warrior. That's the jovial crew. That was uh, Mike Hodkowski taking the lead on that one. Uh, we should say that this is they're in the studio with me. First time we've done this since the pandemic. Uh, and um, it's all part of Naughty Week. Uh, and you can learn more about this. All of the shows, all of the CT Public shows are doing nautically-themed shows this week. And you can see the whole list if you go to ctpublic.org slash week. That's N-A-U-T-I week. Not the other kind of naughty. Um, so uh, this is the Jovial Crew, and I should probably say it's Joseph Morneau, Rick Spencer, uh, Mike Hodkowski, uh, and the group's founder, Cliff Haslam. Uh, and th let's talk about the sort of elephant in the room. So around 2021, we're in the middle of the pandemic, Joseph, uh, and suddenly on TikTok, <laughs> you know, just what you'd expect, people doing sea shanties. And there was one that they did a lot that I know you guys don't even think is really a sea shanty, but, but it wasn't just one. There was a bunch of them, and I guess there's kind of a duet function uh, on TikTok where you can add your vocal and keep layering vocals up and sounding a little bit more and more like you guys. And I don't know. I mean, what did you think was going on there? <laughs> Do you have any theories about why it was sea shanties? And the, yeah, it was boredom. <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of the great things about sea shanties and, and similar music is that call and response for, for performance sake. The public can pick up the chorus on the spot. They don't have to study in advance. They don't necessarily need sheet music in front of them. Um, so it's a great way to participate as opposed to going to a show and unless you've been a long-term fan of that particular band, you know, you can walk in, pick it up, have a great evening, go home and say that was fantastic versus eh, they were a great band. It was nice, nice to listen to them. Um, the, the, the gentleman, the Scott, Scotsman who did that, uh, Wellerman TikTok shanty did a phenomenal job with it, but it's not a shanty. It's just a sea song. Um, so on the one hand, we really like it. On the other hand, we don't like that it's now fed into the whole thing that everything that mentions the water is suddenly a shanty. Um, and much like people in Irish music kind of shudder when you ask them to sing Danny Boy, so too most of us feel about <laughs> the Wellerman. Right. And, and uh, Rick or Cliff, for that matter, you might want to talk about this. I mean, I think Joseph is kind of alluding to this, but people were alone. People were fragmented. And there's something very communitarian about 
sea shanties. You guys do this stuff at the Grizz on Monday nights, and people show up. Somebody wrote an anthropology paper uh, about you guys and about this night and how it's a form of ritual. It's almost like a sacrament. But, I mean, when you're alone, this is something, there's something together about sea shanties. You guys merge with your audience in a way that, you know, that, that maybe Beyonce or, or Taylor Swift can't even do. Yeah. Although you closely resemble both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we... Um we're a sort of entertainment band on Monday nights. So we can we can do concerts, we can do whatever um, festivals. But uh, Monday night is a a night we we sort of uh, entertain people, and it's see it all the time these people. We get new people in every week, you know, because they're just passing through. Some people have heard about us and they come down. Other people, are, oh, we don't know the songs, you know. So we'll sing them a nice easy song with a you know nice easy chorus, and then. You know, slowly they they get into it, and we we're fortunate to have a regular um, group of people that come down every week. So they are all belting out these songs. So people are looking around, what's going on here? They've never seen anything like this before uh, in, in a bar where they can go and uh, have a good time, drink and uh, sing sing a few chung, tunes. And say sometimes we do get a little bored, and we give them a little laugh. So, <laughs> and if I may add to that. Um Throughout the pandemic, there were uh, online shanty sings. So using Zoom, we can't all sing together without that delay effect. But there were people from all over the world connecting uh, through their computers and people taking turns singing their favorite songs. So that community spirit continued on um, and, in fact, I think was strengthened by the experience so that once everything lifted and we could go back to what we're doing, we're finding the crowds are bigger, there are more participants, there are more people that are getting involved as opposed to just being fans. The yeah, songs are yeah. also, Colin, very accessible. Mm. Every maritime culture has its seafaring music traditions, and, and the songs move from one to another. Um, if you sing this particular song in English and there's someone from France in the room, they will say, oh, you've anglicized our song, <laughs> and, and, and vice versa. So there's a lot of interplay, cultural interplay, in this very, very accessible and enjoyable song form. Yeah, and Rick, but although to the point that you've been making uh, today on the show, too, I think there's a way in which uh, uh, when you think back at the original function of these songs, a, a ship, you know, a, a merchant vessel or, a, you know, any kind of ship in the 18th or 19th century, Everybody has to do their job, and they have to kind of do it in unison. You can't make up your own rules, and you can't make up your own time, and you can't make up your own rhythm. So there's a way, because disaster can ensue, or at least a failure to, to, you know, to get the work done properly. So there's a way in which this kind of music invites a togetherness, right? Absolutely. You, yeah, go ahead. Say a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, and, and it really doesn't matter to today's audience whether this song was used as a tool to help coordinate work or not. This is just an enjoyable music form that allows for and invites participation. People love, well, the people who love to participate love to participate. And that's sort of why the sea shanty as a form has, has uh, enjoyed such a revival in the last five, ten years or so. Yeah, and one thing that I, I think many people might wonder, um, and Joseph or Cliff or whoever can answer this, but uh, I mean, because, I mean, now there are recordings of sea shanties, but uh, you have to go looking for them, and I guess things like, like 
you know, Tidal or, or uh, Spotify help. But how do you guys find songs? Because this is la- largely an oral slash folk tradition. So when you want to find a new song or you want to learn a new song, how does that happen? Well, we start collecting a lot of the songbooks that were um, uh, assembled by people who actually took the time to go around collecting the songs um, while they're using it. The Stan Hugel was the last of the uh, actual deep sea sea shantymen. That was actually his job on board a vessel, and he collected songs from other sailors that were much older than him. Um, there are other people that were collecting songs back into the 1830s, 40s. Um, the shanties, that the forms as we know them now are more properly from around the 1820s, 1830s, more or less, kind of fudging that. Um, so when people talk about today's shanties that we sing and, and label them as 18th century, it's not actually, that's not accurate. Um, I collect a lot of songsters, as they called them, from the 18th century, and there are a lot of sailor songs in them, but none of them are of the style, the shanties that we sing today. Um, uh, you you can certainly dig around and find these books in hardcover, softcover, PDF, whatever the case is. But there are recordings going back into the 60s and 70s that you can get your hands on of some phenomenal um, uh, uh, performers in our genre. And today now, it, it sort of uh, we're we're lousy with with C recordings. So yeah, and and you know, I mean, obviously, Rick Mystic itself. There are festivals and places like that, and. Um, I don't know if you knew him, but Don Sinetti, the late Don Sinetti, was a great friend of mine for a long time, and uh, he was the kind of guy who, you know, probably you probably learned a few new songs from Don, plus some other stuff. Um, so uh, and I want to talk a little bit, too, about this very special thing that happens on Monday nights at the Grizz. Uh, and, and Cliff, there's a story in this anthropology paper um, <laughs> that was written about you guys, um, yeah, about a guy who's kind of depressed and upset, uh, and you guys take requests. And I guess this guy just said any song that involves yelling. Uh, but just talk a little bit about how you read the audience's mood or, or sort of tailor what you're doing on a given night to what's going on out there in the crowd. And that's what we do. We, we Each week we um, have to look at the audience. And we, we don't have any sets written out. So we, we, we'll try different types of songs and see, what's, see what they like. And then, you know, once they start smiling and joining, then we... We know what's where we're where we're at with the with the audience, and each night is different. So it's a, it's a challenge every week. When if you go to festivals, <laughs> if you go to festivals, is there now? I mean, it seems like uh, obviously Sea Shanty started out as a profoundly uh, and and unanimously male activity. Are there like women's Sea Shanty groups? I mean, oh, like yeah. in the country music, mm-hmm. they have the highway women now. So yeah, tell me about yeah. what's going on with the I women. I mean, the famous one is the Johnson Girls right now, but there was Liverpool Judies. There's a few other groups, uh, Silver Darlings over in the UK. Okay, now there, there's there there are more women's groups coming along, and there are uh, shipboard. There was for, I mean, certainly at an age where racism was far more uh, endemic and 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 just thrown about, much like people just throw on any old joke today, I suppose. Um, you see sailors on board a ship of all. Um, racial backgrounds working together, and because they had to survive with each other, they had to rely on each other, um, they threw a lot of that to the wind, if you'll forgive the pun, and, uh, and, and tried to work together. So the music, we see it as something that's really for all people, and the fact that it has for such a long time really been more the purveyance of old white guys has become problematic as we move forward, trying to get more women, uh, more people from the black community, more people from the Hispanic community, more people getting involved in this music because it's theirs as well. 
Um, but we're trying, and there are some groups here and there that are coming together for this. I, I know on all the pirates on our flag means death. They're very, you know, very <laughs> conscious of of being politically appropriate, and just you know, I'm trying to take everybody's uh, attitudes and sensitivities into a, account. But Joseph, to that point, this is probably worth making here. There is you know, a, a fairly direct line between this music and the work songs of slaves, or the, the work songs of, of poor farmers, the work songs of prisoners, right? Anybody who has, doesn't have that much control about where they are at a given minute and what they right. have to do, they're probably going to come up with this, this kind of music. Right. It was a Timothy O'Connor in 1776 uh, was on a... Um uh, a privateer vessel that went out from Marblehead, Massachusetts, and his vessel was captured almost immediately. And they're brought over to England, imprisoned there, and out of sheer boredom, he went around to all the other uh, prisoners and collected songs that they were singing. And uh, there were a lot of the songs that have made their way into the shanty realm, work songs later on, but they were, uh, like many of these songs, complaining about the people in charge, complaining about the people who have the power, complaining about the... Uh, uh, the food, the, the the general social order, and so forth. Yeah, there's there's just the factor of monotony. Uh, you have a hard job that's often monotonous. Singing is something that's going to make that seem like a little bit lighter kind of work. Mm -hmm. So I assume there's no contemporary use of this song. So I don't know. The, there could be really container ship shanties, right? Let's move the container over well, there now. Move it over here. Not from a practical standpoint, but there are people who are writing songs to that effect, including <laughs> the old what were the, uh, the the old fan vessels that went from England over to France. Um, hovercraft. Yeah. There's a there's a hovercraft shanty, but you wouldn't really use it as a work song. Yeah. It just right. So there are people who still write a lot. I mean, for a lot of this folk music, uh, in general, that people write. It's called in the tradition. Yeah. So there are some people who write. Uh, songs that are in the tradition that are structured like shanties, but they wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't, the author wouldn't technically call them a shanty because, hopefully, because they know better, because they actually aren't used to just work on ships. You know, I, this is like a dumb thing I'm about to say, <laughs> but uh, in the early days of Saturday Night Live, they had this skit about the land shark. You know, the land shark would ring the bell, say Candy Graham stuff, and then I, there's, Landshark is a term in a shanty. I, I ran into it today in yeah. uh, Blow You Winds, right? Rick, you know, a Landshark is like a guy who kind of recruits you to be on a boat if you don't really know what you're doing? Or Sure, a land, land shark or a crimp uh, was someone who would take advantage of, of sailors. A uh, sailor would, uh, would, would, would have his own culture, his own language, his own everything, get to shore, get paid off for the work that he's done, and be extremely vulnerable uh, and and become a victim to any number of people on shore who know that he's, as they say, stepping with the tide, Had has money that doesn't mean anything necessarily to him. It's like monopoly money. Uh, he's, he's lived for months without the need for currency, and he's easy to take advantage of. And land shark was a, uh, was a term that was... Um, was used constantly uh, for someone who would take advantage of uh, of a sailor who didn't know any better and and often was intoxicated and an easy mark. All right. So yeah. So Saturday night Saturday night live did not invent that term. Uh, all right. So this is the jovial crew. Uh, they're uh, lots of fun. They're terrific. Uh, you can hear them at lots of festivals and places, but most notably on Monday nights at the Grizz. Uh, they're going to go out of this segment uh, with one more song, and then at the end end of the show, you're going to hear another song uh, by them. Uh, but I think this is going to be Hall and the Bowline. 
All on the bowling so early in the morning. All on the bowling, the bowling. All on the bowling, and now the day is dawning. All on the bowling, the bowling. All on the bowling, the captain he's a calling. All on the bowling, the bowling. All on the bowling, the bosun is a balling. All on the bowling, the bowling. All on the bowling, the seagulls are a squalling. All on the bowling, the bowling. All on the bowling, Kitty lives in Liverpool. All on the bowling, the bowling. All on the bowling, you cannot tie a bowling. All on the bowling, the bowling. So, first of all, it's time to say some thank yous. We've got to say some thank yous. Uh, there's plenty of thank yous to say. Gene Amatruda really is consistently the technical producer of this Sea Shanty episode, with some possible assistance here and there from, I don't know, maybe Cat Pastor did something. Lily Tyson is always hovering around in the background. The actual producer of this episode is McCusker, formerly Carolyn McCusker, but we rebranded her just to just one name. Uh, so, thanks to everybody. And this has been kind of complicated, but really fun and interesting. And so we want to say a little bit more here about the origins uh, of sea shanties, where they really come from. Uh, and the answer, uh, I think, is a little bit more complicated than we are often led to believe. And to help us with that uh, is Dr. Maya Angela-Smith, an associate professor of French at the University of Washington. Um, welcome to our conversation. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. So this is not a merely academic conversation for you, although it is that, but it's not merely academic. Uh, there's a way in which this is in your blood. Uh, say a little bit about, tell us who your grandfather was. That's correct. So my grandfather, um, who just turned 96 um, last month, is uh, the son of a Menhaden fisherman in the Northern Neck region of Virginia. And he was also an educator, my, my grandfather was. And so he joined a group called the Northern Neck Shanty Singers in the mid 2000s. And this group has been around since 1991. And they would go around to schools and community centers and they would sing shanties from this region um, and educate people about where they came from and why they're a thing. And so when I was um, visiting my grandfather back in 2018, um, he still lives in Virginia and I live in Seattle, so I don't make it to the East Coast that often. But when I was visiting him working on a family memoir project, and so I was interviewing him, he was telling me about his his life as a Northern Neck shanty singer. And so I got really interested in this work. And we should say that his father, uh, that would be your great-grandfather, I guess, uh, lived even closer to this reality, lived and died closer to this reality. Say a little bit about him, too. That's correct. So he was a fisherman, um, and he actually died at sea in 1938 when there was a really bad hurricane that hit the eastern seaboard. Um, and so my grandfather lost his father at the age of 12. Um, and so, of course, that, that was a very difficult experience. And, you know, my grandfather actually promised his mom um, that he would not become a fisherman because of what that had done to their family. Yeah. So one of the things that we talked about when we were first getting ready to do this show was the relationship between sea shanties and other kinds of work songs. And there certainly is a sense that a lot of people have that this is um, a, a type of song that comes from Great Britain and the environs of Great Britain. Uh, and 
then that's true to up to a point. But there's a part of this that is very typically overlooked, and that is the idea that there's a western side of the Black Atlantic uh, rimmed by southern U.S. ports and the Caribbean, uh, as you've written, that a lot of this comes from a tradition more closely connected uh, to uh, black work songs, both at sea and on land. Say a little bit more, and then we'll hear an example. Sure. So first, it's probably good to define Black Atlantic. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming many people probably have not heard this term. Um, and it, it was coined by historian Paul Gilroy um, from a book he wrote with that title, Black Atlantic, about 30 years ago. Um, so in the early 1990s. And it's basically a way to think about sort of the complex nature of Black identity in this part of the world. Um, so he argued that Black Atlantic culture was not just African or American or Caribbean or British, but it was this complicated mix. Um, and so for, for the Northern Neck Shanty Singers being right off of the Chesapeake Bay, they are here in, in the Atlantic. Um, and many, almost all of the Menhaden fishermen were black, right? Um, but as you said, this comes from a long, a longer tradition of work songs um, sung by enslaved African Americans and working class African Americans um, after the end of slavery who would um, sing these work songs both on land and at sea, right? Um, in order to sort of do their work. You know, this was often backbreaking labor, was really difficult. Often they had to work in in tandem, you know, um, work together to, to do difficult work like hauling up heavy loads of fish. So these work songs were all over the United States, all over the Caribbean, um, often sung among, among African Americans and African Caribbeans, um, and have existed, you know, for for centuries, basically. Right. Well, we won't keep people in suspense any longer. Let's hear a little bit of what this sounds like. Um, if we were a video show instead of a radio show, we'd be able to show you a, a video clip of the Northern Neck Shanty Singers, the group that Maya has been talking about right now, um, at, at a demonstration for the Library of Congress. And, and they brought a net with them to demonstrate how workers would pull in time uh, with the song. Um, so, well, well, let's hear a little bit of it, and then maybe uh, you and I can talk some more about this. This is called, Won't You Help Me to Raise Them Boys? Won't you help me to raise them boys? Hey, hey, honey. Come on. Won't you help me to raise them boys? So uh, we're talking to Maya Angela Smith right now, uh, Associate Professor of French at the University of Washington. Uh, that was uh, the Northern Neck Shanty Singers. And explain who they are. These are, for the most part, former Menhaden fishermen, right? That's correct. 
Um, so almost all of them, um, except for my grandfather, um, were uh, former Menhaden fishermen who mainly worked from, I would say, the 1930s um, and then some of them as late as the 1980s. Um, but I think their heyday was probably the 30s to the 50s before um, this sort of work started to become automated. Um, and so back in 1991, um, this person by the name of William Hudnall organized the Northern Neck Shanty Singers, um, basically as part of a um, sort of 4th of July special um, uh, so there are other groups of shanty singers across the eastern seaboard, um, particularly in North Carolina. And so the Greater Reedville Association in Virginia wanted to show that we also have this tradition. And so they created this group. Um, there were, I think, about 13 men who who were originally with the group um, started in 1991. Um, all of them were deacons in their churches. And so they had singing background also in the church and in addition to what they sang while they were um, working as fishermen. Yeah, doing a little bit more reading about this too. Uh, one of the things that seems to have happened is that um, uh, some of these songs were developed, some of the songs were developed for stevedores on the docks. Um, and there was this kind of latent assumption, uh, maybe that was statistically kind of true, uh, that stevedores were black and uh, people who worked out on the sea were white. Uh, now, that obviously turns out to not be strictly true at all. But I, I think maybe I sensed in the reading that I was doing that there was this kind of idea, therefore, that black people had no real role in actual sea shanties. And it's it's amazing and just fascinating to see how untrue that was and also the role they played in, in creating a song like that one, which we should say also involved, you know, the, I think that the first line is a prompt. You need everybody to work together to do the same thing at the same time. It's as true on a boat as it could be anywhere, really. Uh, and so I assume that the group thing that's sung together is kind of the hauling part uh, of the song. That That's correct. So this follows the sort of call and response um, work song tradition, right? So someone will call something and then the response we heard and 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 sort of everyone singing together. And that's when the hall would happen. That's when the really difficult work would happen. Right. So um, Maya Angela Smith, uh, we talked at the beginning about how your great-grandfather died at sea. And so another part of the, the sea tradition, the sea singing tradition, uh, is the lament. Uh, the, we're going to play in just a second. Um, uh, your grandfather le le leading um, the Northern Neck Shanty, Shanty Singers for the Library of Congress in a song called Remember Me. Um, say a little bit about this, though. This is, this is a different kind of thing. This isn't about work. This is about who we lost uh, and what needs to not be forgotten. That's correct. So the song you just played is my grandfather's favorite of the shanties. And the song that you're about to play, Remember Me, is my favorite. Um, partially because he is, he has a solo in it and it was the mm -hmm. first time I was really getting to hear him sing. Um, I didn't grow up in Virginia and so I never got to see him sing in the church. And so it was special to me, but also just the, the, um, sort of connection that he has having lost his father at sea. And so I'm just thinking about my, my family line and how I lost my great grandfather never, never met him. You know, my father never met him. But this song, him singing this song, reminds us that he existed, um, that he was important. 
and that he was a part of this cultural history that that we are uncovering now. All right. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Dr. Maya Angela Smith. And let's hear your grandfather, Dr. Elton Smith, lead the Northern Neck Shanty Singers uh, in this song, Remember Me. Remember me. Remember me. Oh, Lord, remember me. So that's the end of our show today. Well, it's almost the end of our show today. We still have the jovial crew here. They're going to sing one more song. A song called Lowlands. It's what's known as a hand-over-hand halyard shanty. Uh, race, uh, shorter sails, smaller sails, uh, as two poles, and he even hauling shanty. So it's a, more like a continuous motion. A packet is the island lass. Lowlands, 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 low. Man howling the main top mast. Lowlands, 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 low. Captain hails from Barbados. Lowlands, 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 low. Got the name old Hammer Toes. Lowlands, 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 low. Fees as bread as hard as brass. Lowlands, 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 low. Bunks as hard as a Balaam's ass. Lowlands, 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 low. Monkeys dressed in soldiers' clothes. Lowlands, 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 low. Where he got some God only knows. Lowlands, 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 low. Up aloft the yard must go. Lowlands, 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 low. Up aloft from down below. Lowlands, 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 low. Lowland, me boys, up she goes. Lowlands.